Welcome to the CEO Stylist Podcast, where two unlikely CEOs come together and rewrite the narrative of what it means to be a CEO stylist. Yvanka Loria and Kirsten Harris are on a mission, giving stylists permission to join the movement of artists breaking the mold of what is meant to be for the hair industry and creating the life and schedule of their dreams. Fast forward through many failed attempts and lessons learned in the process, it's time to level up the playing field. It's time to call BS on what's been done before. Yvanka and Kirsten are ready to share it all, defying the odds of the industry and teaching you how to do the same. Hello, welcome to the CEO Stylist Podcast. I'm your host, Yvanka Loria, and my beautiful co-host, Kirsten Harris. How are you today? Hello, I'm great. How are you? I'm good. We're back at it. I think um, from our last podcast, we were sitting in this very same position and I was having a little bit of a meltdown, unbeknownst to me at that time. I had a little bit of a COVID episode. (laughs) So we had a meltdown and it's taken us so long to come back, but we're here and we're ready for another Um, amazing topic that we want to share. So what are we going to talk about today, Yo? So we're going to talk about planning in uncertain times. Mm. I think it's... um, That is a hot topic. It's a hot topic of the month. I know, you know, every other day I'm getting messages from from our community, from stylists, from just all business owners. I think there's um, a cast of a shadow of, you know, everyone's feeling it. I think Mm. a little bit, everyone's a little bit quiet at the moment. It's definitely happening out there. I think there's a little bit of panic that's set in. You know, we open the news and the the newsworthy stories of the day, our interest rates are going up and there's less money to spend out. And also to that, wages are going up. So we've had salary reviews. They're talking about uh, the economy crash. So all these big shock factor stories do create some uncertainty about, you know, where we're headed. Of course. And I know myself, you know, just in the last couple of weeks, I've been going into the city on a Saturday and even looking at other businesses, you know, this nail shop that I used to go to that you couldn't even get in. Mm. You had to book to get into this particular one. And it was so sad. Like two weeks ago, I went in there and there was no one in there. Wow. And they had two people working on me. And the two hours that I was there, and even their panic. And, you know, the first time that he was even saying, I've thought about selling my business. I thought about, you know, panic is just setting in. But I really want to take this and not turn it into a negative thing. Mm. I think if we really rise above what's happening, and I think, um, you know, coming from someone who, you know, when COVID first hit, you know, we really speak about how at that time, I really did think that COVID was going to really affect my business, but the opposite happened. I think we noticed an increased focus in self-care. And I really do believe in our industry. I think that we're one of the lucky ones in service industry that, you know, people might skim on different things. But I think when it comes to self-care, you know, even though we've been a little bit quiet, but it's still sustained, we're still thriving compared to, you know, what I thought would happen. So I think we just really want to make people aware that what do you do in those times? Yeah. I want to start, can I just start with the comment that you made? And I hear this a lot and I've heard it a lot and I'm sure you have about when your back's against the wall, the first thing that people think about doing is selling their business. Well, you're going to sell your business. Why? Because it's not because it's a thriving business and you're doing amazingly well and making a lot of money. And now the time is to sell. It's things are really stressful. It's bleeding cash And the answer is to sell. And I always like I've had this conversation with a client just this week. And I said, what makes you think that you can sell your business? Like, do you actually, and it's not 
to be offensive, but it's like, dig deep. How is that the solution? What, yeah, you know, you could make the decision today that you're going to sell your business. And I firmly believe we all are in business. One day it's a legacy to either leave onto someone else or you put it in a position where you can sell it. Like it's not, we're not here for a charity or anything like that. So, but it's like, when is the right time to sell the business? In our industry, probably not now is is the time to sell a business and certainly not when you're not making money. Of course. (laughs) So I kind of tick that one off to go, you've got to dig deep. Like in times like this, it's really about looking at so many different factors and and reining it in and focusing on what's important. And doubling down on, I know for me, whenever we've been, and we've, you know, to be really honest, this is probably the first time we've been a little bit quiet. Mm. And when COVID first hit Adelaide, we were a little bit quiet. And, you know, I always get this question, what do you do in those times? And I think for me, I've always just doubled down on our skill. And I always, you know, to me, busy breeds busy. So I will figure out ways how to keep busy, whether it's retraining my staff, retraining myself, I don't look at the short-term loss. I keep looking at the long-term gain. Mm. And, you know, it, it only is for a short period of time before things pick up because guess what? People need their hair done. Absolutely. People need to get out there. You know, yeah. people aren't going to be stuck at home for too long because they're going to figure out. And I think in in our case, because it's a luxury service, there was always that, you know, connotation of, oh my God, are people going to be able to afford these? Mm. But we've had to adapt. And I think... The bottom line of our messaging is if you're open to adapting Mm. in times, I think that's the key. And to me, it's also, what was I saying before about, you know, um, value over volume? I think I just kept looking at how how can I keep creating the value? Mm. How can I keep showing up with the experience? Because that's what people, they will be drawn to that. They will make time for that. They will you know, that self-care and that self-love really does come into, I think, what we do. Mm. And I think the ones that are going to learn to adapt and not be stuck in fear or scarcity mindset, I think that really is a big message that we want to share today. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the other thing, I don't know if you've been watching the news closely this week, it's always this time of year, they talk about budgets. They, they're talking about, obviously, this pending recession that we're supposed to have, whether or not we've hit it or not, I don't know. I don't think, you know, when we talk recession, I think we think about what happened so many years ago. That's right, 2008. Yeah, the recession. It's so different. So different. And and a recession's quite common when you come out of something like COVID. And I don't want to focus on the COVID thing, but, you know, I was talking to my daughter about it this week because she's studying economics in year 11. And she said, what's all this about? And I said, well, you know, they're really pushing for the minimum wage to increase. And they were interviewing a series of people this week. I don't know if you saw, I can't even remember. I might've been on Current Affair anyway. And the typical response from a business owner was, we can't afford the wage increase. And my opinion's quite different. I'm like, you you have to afford it because if we don't set that minimum wage increase up, there's not going to be money to put back in the economy. But it's, so I always look at it and go, that's a really small-minded way Yes, it's tough. It is. It's tough, no matter what, on small business. But we need to, we need to accept and I guess surrender to the fact that minimum wages do need to go up. Otherwise, people aren't going to afford everyday things. We need them to be able to afford that. We need them to be able to spend back in the economy. So all small business gets a little piece of that pie. So there's this real shit fight on at the moment about you know there's. I don't even know who's behind it now, but, you know, they're really trying to drive, I think it's like a 7% increase. So it's not 
massive, but by standard, it's a much bigger jump than where we've been in previous years. And so, of course, we're going to find out about that by the end of June because from the 1st of July, that's where we're at. And they're pushing for it as well. I I I think think it'll go through. Yeah. And super's gone up. Like when you look at the back end of businesses, I think, you know, I really feel for small businesses. I think we've been, you know, and particularly in our business, I think what people don't realise out there, you know, most most businesses, if you if you have casual employees or um, you know, you have part timers, you can cut their hours. Mm. But what happens with, you know, hairdressers that have full time staff and they're contracted for full time or apprentices, you know, with what happens with apprentices if they if you don't have the hours there, you can't cut their hours. No, not you at all. You have to legally pay them for 38 hours. Correct. So whether or not they're there or not. So whether they're there or not. <laughs> yeah. I know in America, it's a very different system mm. where, you know, they have freelance hairdressers. So if there's no work, you don't have to pay wages. Mm. But how do you how do you make sense for businesses that, you know, have a full staff, like 18 staff, 15 staff, mm. and they get hit with, you know, quiet periods? Yeah, it's And scary. what happens, What? how do you justify higher wage when there's no, you know, maybe for that week or for the next month or for the next three months, when there's no clients come in, how do you justify that that increase in wage? Yeah, it's a good question. I, I've written some notes because I knew that you were going to ask me <clears> this question. So here's, here's my little insights into, and this seems all very superficial and I can't imagine how I'd feel as a business owner with 18 staff and you have a significant drop in business. I think that that would be quite scary. So some of this may or may not relate to that size salon business, but I think all facts are relative. And the first thing, the biggest priority when your back's against the wall is you need to stay co- close to your customers because without your your existing client base coming in, you don't have an income. So if, if that is the thing that is a significant issue in then terms where, of... Then where do you readjust the focus? Yes, focus on your... Because cl- clients come first, mm. no matter what. That's right. Don't need- stay in that fear mode because you actually shut down. Yeah. And then you block that abundance energy. Yeah, absolutely. And that reconnection. It's yeah. so important. You're so right. So, And there's so many ways, and I don't want to get into that now, but there are so many ways in which we can reconnect with our customers. But that is the most important thing because you need to know where you stand. Because if you have like a... 25% drop and they're not coming back, mm. then that then I guess leads to, is there a service issue? Is there a quality issue? Is there a readjustment of what yeah. you're... I know is it wrong us, location? Can, I just, is it, can yeah. I just touch on one thing that we've done different, you know, before we were known for that big makeovers, the two mm. rows, the three rows. So we've completely adjusted to clients. We've had that open communication, sending out newsletters. And yeah. if you're experiencing anything you know, financially, let us know and we're willing to work with you within your budget. Right. And are you finding that a lot now? A a lot. So we've been able to take, you know, clients who are having two rows to maybe one row. Yeah. And what's the value proposition difference? I'll give you an example. So for a new install, you know, you're talking anywhere from 1500 to 2000 to one row, you know, being 800 to maybe 1000 to 1200 Mm, Interesting. So depending on how much hair they have, because ours is so custom, it is a little bit different. But in saying that, don't forget they're wearing this hair for a year. Yes. You know, so once you break it down and you can explain that and, you know, our clients now know the value of our product that it does outlast. So they're happy to pay that. But normally, but we've been able to readjust the focus and offer them an alternative Mm. that, you know, we had so many that were like, I think I need to take these out. I won't be able to afford it. So finding that solution 
Yeah. And being open to, you know, adapting mm. has been such a game changer for yeah, us. Yeah, that's really interesting. So does that then mean you've got capacity to take on more clients because you're doing less or? Uh, that's always our capacity because yeah. we just, we have a different market for it. Yes. Um, but I think now also, you know, the power of marketing, mm. which is what we also talk about. And now that we're marketing, you know, for the fine hair client and the one row, that's what you're getting. Yeah. Because that's what we did. We doubled down on that and we just readjusted that. And once you put that energy out there, you know, it's so powerful. What you reap is what you sow, right? Interesting. So mm. that's what we're getting. But on a larger, you know, aspect, like I said, the last couple of weeks have probably been our quietest. Mm. But, ever. You know, ever. Ever. Ever in the, you know, the course of, you know, having, you know, our salon for the last four or five years. Um, and where but, are we at? Just so because for future listeners, we're talking like the last two weeks of May. The last two, which we, we're putting it down to, I think also, you know, looking back in hindsight, I think May is always, there's a couple of periods always like before, you know, before the end of the year, yeah. before the, you know, the car before yes, the storm. Yes. But I do believe also, you know, people are, and this is just feedback, like you say, we mm. reconnect with our clients and we're asking asking them if they're okay, where they're at. And a lot of them are saying they're holding off until end of financial year. Of course. So I think there's yeah. a little bit of that. And also, you know, if you've noticed, I personally don't really invest a lot of my energy listening to the news and the media. I, yeah. I try to stay away because I need to keep my mind, you know, focused and clear. But just from, I know from also clients cancelling because there's a little bit of sickness going around. Personally, me, look at me, I was out for a month. Yeah. You know, yeah. last time and people are getting sick. But my biggest, you know, pressing question is what I was asking before. When you have, like myself, we have 14 staff, mm. but some are permanent part-time, some are part-time. I can <laughs> cut some hours down, but there's about six on my books that I'm legally required mm. because I've employed them for full-time, you know. And apprentices, what well, I was saying, what happens there? What happens, you know, in contracts is... You know, we, yeah, you've we've got gone, a commitment. We've got a mm. commitment, but in contracts, there's that stand down thing. You know, due to pandemics and mm. there's little loopholes that we we were able to navigate through last time. That's it. But what happens? That's my question. With your notes, hopefully you can shed some light. Well, I haven't. I don't think I can answer that specific question when you have, you know, a heavy set staff lineup and you've got that commitment. You've got, you've got your, a big commitment to wages. It's really about. I think coming back to what you were saying before about retraining your staff, it, there's always something to do in a salon for everyone. There is always. So whether that's not, you know, it's retraining on each other, doing hair, doing makeup, whatever it is, it's content, it's getting engaging with their own audience on their own social media channels. Most of the kids these days have their own social media channels, you know, like a hair page or a professional page that they're using so it's to re-engage with their own clients. I think that that's really important. Staff meetings, like, you know, readdressing systems and processes, all the things that we can't, like leading into Christmas, you don't have the time to do. So this is a good time. It's making use of the time you have mm. because... Because when you come back, you're going to be armed with new skill set. That's and, it, yeah. And, you know, having that retraining, you're, once you get busy again, I think that's what we did the first time, COVID... Remember, I think it was at the beginning of the year. Yes. Was it where we experienced that little bit of... Yeah, a little bit of quiet. A little bit of yeah. quiet. And yeah. that's exactly what we did. So by the time clients came back, but I also think this goes back specifically to business owners. Mm. And I think this is what we spoke about a few times is building that war chest. Yeah. 
Well, that's one of my things, plan for when things go wrong. Plan for things go wrong. And I think, thank God I am, thank God my husband and I came together in business because, (laughs) you know, I am that creative. I definitely am that innovator and that, you know, Mm. bigger picture person as whereas, you know, the accounts isn't, you know, numbers isn't my thing, Mm. you know, but he's been. He's in the background. He's in the background and he's been really instrumental. I think that's where you also come in. You're not an accountant. No. But you really, and I've seen you. With your business, what mm. you've been doing, you really connect the right people to that business so that, you know, as business owners, building that war chest, like now, thank God I'm not in this position when I was in my 20s because I really would have fucked it up. <laughs> Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And that comes back into knowing, you know, financials, knowing tax, yes. knowing how it works, like building that war chest so that when you, you know, experience, we've been able to navigate. And That's I think, because you're saying tactful um, scenarios of what to do, like we can all, um, you know, do skills and learning. But what happens when you don't have the income when coming you don't in have the money. as a business yeah, owner? Absolutely. You're not going to be so gracious and be like, you're going to be so stressed out of your yeah. mind. Yeah. You're not really thinking and that that breeds bad energy onto. So it really is, I really do feel for business owners. Lucky we're not in that position, mm. but I really do not. I've spoken to, you know, multiple. It's I feel really like it's, stressful. It's so stressful. Yeah. I feel like it's also my part-time job is talking hairdressers, you know, off a ledge. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that, you know, some of the bigger levers, like one of the things that, well, I, I'll tell you what I've written down here. I've written down people, process, purpose, profit, performance, productivity. They are the key levers that, that business that owners drive. can pull mm-hmm. in their own business. So when we're talking about profit, it's removing the non-profitable activities from your business. Now, these are small levers. So when your back's against the wall and you've got that wage bill and and typically a salon scenario is they're paying their wages every week. But there are some other key factors, like there are some other costs that they're not paying every week. They're paying monthly. So for example, rent. And I'm not subscribing that you don't pay your landlord (laughs) (laughs) for a second because we need to secure our premises but there are you if you find a reasonable landlord, you might be able to enter into ask, is that a short a, term. Is that such a thing? Well, <laughs> there are. There's plenty out there because at the end of the day, they don't want to go through the process either of eviction and but then, you know, then and this is coming from someone with experience with yourself. Oh, it's I've also had, ruthless. I've had the worst experience with this, so I could I can directly make a statement about what it feels like to have your back against the wall, come up with a $20,000 rent bill to pay a, and not having the money to cover the wages. Like I've been in that position in with a salon interstate. It was awful situation. Awful. On top of all the other stresses. On top of, yeah. So, mm. you know, I looked at that and went, it, it's just something's got to give my staff more important than actually the premises at the moment. The landlord, it was a big landlord in my case they needed to come to the party to try and negotiate a position. But that aside, like the bigger issue I found is cash flow issues typically come when the business is not making money. Because if you're in a profitable position, you do have a war chest by default, right? That's right. Like if you're profiting, you've got money in the bank that you can cover some short term because it's not like if... Like fundamentally, if you've got a business that you've got no clients coming in the door, then you've got a serious problem. You've got to close the gap and you've probably got to put some staff off. There's no question about that. Like if you've gone from hero to zero, like the reverse, then you've got a significant issue. But if it's short term, because we've got a couple of weeks that are quiet and there's a few more gaps, people are spending less, then the bigger issue is pricing 
and those non-profitable activities that you've probably got to remove. Now, this week alone, I had a conversation with a new client that I've taken on board and they're in a position where they're not making money. And then when we unpacked, they wanted to sell the business. And I said, upfront, you ha- you don't have a business to sell. You've actually got a really good business, but it could take you months. For someone's got to see opportunity beyond its numbers. That's on right. A, you know, on That's a spreadsheet. So but when we looked at it, the significant issue was they're paying too much money, like for their rent, for example. Now they took a business over and hindsight's a wonderful thing. And I think, you know, I'm in this position where I've had lots of experience with leasing that I can, you know, they're younger, they've not done it. And I'm like, yep, I've been there. I've never been completely empathize. And it's the aftermath that you go, shit, like I'm paying all this money. They're the kind of gap. So mm-hmm. I said, you know, and they're experiencing the same so thing. It's quiet. Is this something where you're encouraging people to have that conversation? Have that conversation with the landlord. That. Absolutely. And see, and see what, what compromise you can yeah, come to. Yeah, absolutely. Because no one wants to have an empty tenancy. That's right. It is a lot harder for them to find, yes. you know, the next, especially yeah. with what's going on. So especially work with, with me. Especially in together. our industry because of this new, now we're going to deviate. I've heard the the terminology, this the indie hairdresser that exists out there. And that's no offense to sole operators that are that are working independently. That's what it is. It's, mm-hmm. you know, term indie hairdresser. But that's where it'll go to. And we can't afford to have as an industry, everyone working from home, these home salons or working in a solo operator because how how then do our kids learn that, that new wave of apprentice? How of do they learn? And do you know what was so funny? Because me, you know, I think everyone listening to this podcast will know my story where I started from a home salon. Mm. And I remember I used to cop so much flack from it because here's, here's my honest opinion about home salons. I don't actually have an issue with them. No. What I have an issue with is when they're undervaluing. Yeah. And they're, they're thinking, oh, I'm from home. They're treating it like... They're not treating it like a business. Yes. They're still not realizing their numbers. Yeah. They're not realizing what they're doing. And inadvertently, it's actually hurting our industry. It is. Because yeah. once you figure out for the amount of clients that you have, for the amount of hours that you're working, mm. what you're actually making, you're not actually making anything unless you understand your numbers. Mm. Because at home, what business skills? I know when I first started, and I speak about this openly, you know, it was myself and, and Ash working and you know, we we're pulling in six, seven thousand at that time. And I remember high fiving my husband, going, Oh, we're doing amazing. And he's like, Shut up, you idiot. Like, once you, <laughs> you know, seven thousand was a lot coming from someone who didn't have any experience in that, thinking that that was making money. But it was pretty good. Like, if you think about the landscape of salons, that would be to some salons. It would still that be income okay, would be pretty good. But not on the scope of, and you would know this, mm. as an independent artist, I'm not getting the benefits through these companies and I'm not, I don't have the buying power yeah. to purchase the products at someone who has a bigger salon. And you would know because that was part of your ne- negotiating. Mm. Once you have a bigger salon, you get better price for things. So yeah. it does come back. You think you are making, but you're really not. Mm. So I think if people do want to have, you know, something from home, I honestly encourage you to really rethink your numbers and get in touch with a really good accountant mm. or, or, or a business coach even. Yeah, absolutely. Because you can really set yourself up, you know, and I think that's why our industry now, I feel like COVID a couple of years ago, we started to really reclaim our power back. Yes. And really be 
you know, be taken from <clears throat> what we were always known as being undervalued. Mm. I feel like within COVID, we've really shifted that. And I think also with our product, because it's such a high scale, high end product. Mm. Um, and, you know, that's part of what we teach now. There's no point in having an amazing skill set if you have the zero mindset. That's it. We're definitely getting there. We're getting You're better. talking about pricing, We're... but it's still a hot topic of mine that I don't think like business costs have risen significantly in the last two or three years. I don't believe we've caught up no. from what we're, what our offer is as an industry. No. There's and, still a big gap. And would you agree clients don't care about your expenses? They don't care. They don't want to, they don't want to know about like, and I remember, I remember there was a few things on social media where people saying, well, this cost me this much. They don't really care about that. I think this leads back to us creating value, reconnecting with that client, because that's what's really going to be able to attain what we charge and how we're going to be able to set that pricing and how we're going to retain those clients and that business. I think that really is in a nutshell. And I have like, you know, this is, a little bit superficial, what I'm about to say, but I know when I, when times were tough for me, I always turned it into my mindset to be grateful that you've got bills to pay, which means you're in business and you're alive. You've got something that you can turn, recreate, you're in control. Don't let this control you. So I always said that even, you know, tax is another thing, right? If you're paying tax, then there must be something, something going. that you're doing right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And everyone, I hear it all the time. I have to pay tax. And yeah, be grateful. Be grateful. <laughs> yeah. That's right. It's a good, it's yeah. a good perception. It's yes. a good way to perceive yeah. things. It's not a fun bill to pay, right? It's not, wow, you're doing all this work. Money comes in. I always go, it's like the tide. Money goes comes in and, and it goes, goes out. out. But be grateful. Like, be grateful that you've got those bills. I know that sounds like a bit of bullshit. No, I but... agree with that. It's so true. It <laughs> yeah. really, really is. But yeah, so that's, you know, I don't know whether I kind of feel like I've deviated away from your actual question. Like, how do you cut your wage bill? Like, how do you cut costs in times that are tough? And the I guess the issue is you can't. Unless you need to put staff off and then you still need to go through that process, right? Because we have employment laws in place that protect our people. So I hope that our listeners never have are in that position that they have to make that drastic move. And this is just like a, a small dip in the ocean. And then as an industry, we'll the tide up, will turn. I genuinely mm. believe we will because we haven't ever got to a point where people aren't showing up to have their hair done. So I don't, I don't, we're not going to get to that point, but it's just like how much of the market share are you going to own? Do you think in normal hairdressing, because when I say normal, Mm. what we do is so custom, it's not normal. People couldn't sit at home and sew, you know, a set of extensions (laughs) in. Do you think with hair colour people are doing their own hair at home, like just with a standard you know, regrowth, touch up. Remember there was that big thing um, with COVID? Less of it. Oh, yeah, they definitely had a red hot go. We were forced to, right? You know, you think about Melbourne as an example. They they were pretty much in lockdown for a year mm, when you crazy. think about it. So, and we were a non-essential service. Is that right? I forget. People were forced to have a red hot go at home. Thankfully, we are very driven by trends in our industry. Right now, blondes seem to be making... And dimensional colour as well. And dimensional colour. That is very hard to achieve at home. Yes, there's those kits available at Priceline and, you know, <laughs> there's those hair co-ops that will sell to everyday people. But I I like to think <laughs> that most wouldn't give this a go unless they're a, a non-practicing hairdresser. Of course, knock yourself out. But for the whole 
because we're so governed by trends, uh, I'd like to say minority will do it. Some, I, I tell you what I've seen a bigger trend in, I guess, our age range, like I'm one year off 50, well, less than a year now. And we're always defeating the odds of going gray. I definitely have seen more trend of women entering into their 50s that will surrender to the grayness and work with that. I've definitely seen a more of a uh, you have seen that? I haven't yes. seen that anywhere. Yes, I well, have. I feel like they are, but they're going lighter. They're going they're not, lighter. They're, like going they're lighter. surrendering they're still... to the, <clears throat> the grey, yeah, and making a trend out of it. I've seen that a lot. And I don't know whether it's because I had a birthday in April. I went, holy shit, this is my last year of my 40s. <laughs> oh, you have to show me. I haven't seen any of that. Mm. So, And it's kind of like cool. I don't, I don't think I'm brave enough to colour my own hair at home. <laughs> so... No, it's I true. don't. So that's... take that. We are not non-essential. We are very essential. Very essential. <clears throat> and will we be replaced by robots? We've had this conversation oh, before. AI. Look, who knows? It's a whole other podcast. <laughs> so yeah, what else? Refocus what else? on. I've talked about. Like, we talked about removing the non-profitable activities. And jokes aside, that is not even in this time. I think that this is essential for any business owner at least once a year to check in with their business and really review the direction that they're going in and removing those. We've, we've all had them, the non-profit, the low-performing activities. Mm. Um, so really to really nurture, nurture that clientele, find out, get in touch with them, see yeah. how they are, what they're doing, you, what you can do. That's it. So, you know, you know, and it comes down to, well, what, what's your hourly rate? And there's a business for everything. So, for example, kids' carts. So if it's going to take someone 30 minutes to cut, a child's hair, and I know this could be a bit of a scandal, what I'm about to say, if your hourly rate that you want to earn is $150 an hour, could you fairly charge a children's haircut at $75? Probably not. So that would be outrageous. So it's making those hardline decisions to go, where where is the best use of my time? That's right. And dropping the services. And dropping those services. That aren't serving yeah. you and readjusting that focus. And that yeah. really does come down to, you know, we'll wrap it up, but... The, the biggest takeaway, like I said, just really look within and look at what you want to do, what you want to, what type of work you want to attract and double down, get some models, do each other's hair. Yeah. Just as long as you're doing something, like I say, the biggest takeaway for me is busy breeds busy. Yes. And that I've, I've you know, utilized that in my business multiple times when we've had a, a few little quiet periods. And with that, someone else out there sitting at home and thinking or watching what you're doing on social media, because that really is our first touch of contact with our consumers. Yeah, it's really and good you will eventually, the tide will turn and someone will be intrigued by what you're doing, your messaging, what you're offering. Um, and it has to be genuine. It has to be authentic. Mm. And I think that we will always come out in the end yeah. if we're willing to, to ride that wave. That's a good one. Mine is focus on that business strategy. What's the end goal in mind and direct your focus there. You know, look at all the touch points that a client has, what or a future client, where are they going to spend their money and what are they going to judge your business? So they are going to look at socials. They're going to look at your website. They're going to look at your content. So make sure it's the best it can be. So that's where I focus on strategy because 
quiet time is the best time to do it. To really, that's when you can think clear and, you know, when it's quiet, mm. I know I come up with the best ideas. Yes. It's so true. Yeah. It Your really does. creative mind. Your creative mind. <laughs> All right. So thank you, guys. We hope you got some value out of what we're sharing today. Yeah. I'm, I was going to say best of luck to, to everyone. May you dig deep and Dig deep. Hold and get on in touch tight. with us if there's any questions yeah, that absolutely. you want us to answer. We're happy to, if you DM us or even email us, we'll drop some links in our podcast yeah. um, underneath. So get in touch and we'll stay tuned for our next podcast. We'll be sharing some more hot topics. Thanks for the chat, yo. Thank you for the chat. And stay tuned for our next episode. See you guys. Have a great day. Bye.